Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Everybody's good. I'm just happy to be here this morning. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. We appreciate you. Thank you for all that you do. You guys are so awesome and so great, and we're we're just happy. Happy Father's Day. Um, One thing I want to say is that you guys have the greatest, greatest pastor that I've ever seen. Like, he is just so awesome, and he loves you so much. Can we give something up for Preston? Like, I'm just so happy to be able to call him friend and, and that he's been such an instrumental piece of our life, uh, me and my wife's life. So as, he, as uh, Pastor Isaac mentioned, my beautiful wife is sitting over here. She's the apple of my eye. She's everything. She is who makes me and who helps me. And so I just want to honor her and say thank you so much for all that you do in helping me and everything. Can we just... Like, I'm not standing here without her. Like, it just doesn't happen. And so that's my wife, Michelle. Um, and we have a picture of my family. Uh, call them the Stew Crew. And I'm just grateful for my family. Uh, they're just awesome. So we have our oldest daughter. She is uh, 20. Um, and having an adult child is very interesting. Um, yeah, I'm going to just leave it at that. wanted to give her a curfew. And, like, she's just coming and going. I don't even know how to navigate that. So we're experiencing that. That's my oldest daughter, Madison. And then we have our second oldest daughter. Her name is Trinity. She just graduated from high school. And then God told us to reset the clock. Um, and so we have a 10-year-old. Her name is Corinne. And then exactly when I thought I was going to be a girl dad, I was just confident that, you know what, I'm just going to have girls, and I'm okay with that. God bless us with a boy, and his name is Preston, and he's six years old, bringing up the rear. So I'm just so grateful for our family. Yeah, it's pretty cool his name is Preston, too. Like, there's a story behind that, and yes, it does have something to do with your pastor. That's how cool your pastor is. Um, But yeah, I'm just grateful for him and grateful for all the things um, that he's done, and I'm grateful for my family. So there's one thing that I say here. Um, Well, I say back home that I want to say here is that when I have this type of message where God's going to have us running through some scriptures and doing a lot, um, we're about to do some Bible aerobics. So I hope you got your Bible like gym shoes on. You may have come in heels. I don't know what you came in, but I hope you have your Bible gym shoes on because we're about to do some Bible aerobics. Okay, y'all ready? All right. You guys ready to get in this message? Are you as excited as I am? Okay, just just making sure. Just making sure. Okay, so here's the thing. When I was studying for this message and I was like, God, what do you want to say? What are you trying to say to your people today here at Gateway? And God brought to this to my mind, he gave me this cup. And he was like, this cup, it was full to the brim. And it was like bubbling over. Have you ever filled something up so much that it's kind of just bubbling over at the top? And God said, you know what? This represents you. And everything that's in it is everything that I poured into you. And God was like, it's a reflection of who I believe that you are. And so our perspective, some of us could be like, you know what? My cup's kind of like empty. Or some of us may feel like my cup's half full. Some of us may feel like our cup is full. But can I give you God's perspective? God never intended for your cup to be empty. God never intended for your cup to be half full. God actually never intended for your cup just to be full. God actually intended for your cup to overflow. 
He wants to overflow your life with blessings and so much. And so let's look at it in Scripture. I'm going to prove it to you. It's, it's not Shannon just talking. You know what? It's in the Bible. Let's go to Psalms 23 and verse 5 for a second. So Psalms 23 and verse 5, it says this, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. And watch this. My cup overflows with blessings. My cup overflows with blessings. And so as our shepherd, as our shepherd, God actually desires for our cup to overflow. Like he's the God of excess, like of the God of abundance. Like there's scriptures all over the place talking about God being the God of abundance. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly. And when you think about it, he came so we'll have life and have it more abundantly. And so he wants us to have this life. But what I love is he's not just desiring for us to be in abundance. He's actually capable of giving us the abundance. And so I, I was telling the, the crew earlier at nine o'clock, I was like, you know what? I wish somebody had the desire to give me a 1970 Chevelle. <laughs> I don't care what you say, it's the best car ever in the face of the planet. I, I, it doesn't matter how fancy technology you get with screens and cars that can drive themselves, there will never be anything better than a 1970 Chevelle. And I will put my life on it. But I also wish somebody was actually capable of giving me a 1970 Chevelle. And not only did they desire to give me a 1970 Chevelle, and they were capable of giving me a 1970 Chevelle, but they actually did give me a 1970 Chevelle. See, that's the kind of God that we serve. Like, he doesn't just desire for us to overflow in blessings, and not only is he capable for us to overflow and give us blessings to overflow, he actually has given us the blessings to overflow. That's the God that we serve. But here's the real question. Why? Why did God give us so much in excess? I believe it's to give. Because here's the thing. The greatest giver of all time, ultimately, is God. He is the greatest giver ever. And so when we think about that, he actually gave out of abundance. There's nothing that God needs. Like, there's nothing he needs. He's the source of everything. He created everything. And so when we think about God, we have to look at it as he gave out of his abundance. And so even in his abundance, what did he give? His son. He gave us Jesus. And so he had the desire to put us in right standing with him. He had the capability to put us in right standing with him. And guess what? He did put us in right standing with him. And so if we are created in God's image, all of us, all of humankind— and I believe it's God's desire for us to give as well. He wants us to be generous. And so that's how good the God we serve is. He's given us a cup that's completely full. And I know some of us were like, no, Shannon, I have a different perspective. My cup looks a little empty. My cup doesn't, doesn't look full. Well, God wants to fill your cup. And we're going to look at why there may be some reasons that your cup may look a little empty or maybe half full or, or something like that. But I want to make sure you know that God has an absolute desire to fill your entire cup. Let's look at Philippians 4 and 3. This is what he says. He says, and this same God, this is Paul talking to the church of Philippi, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And so in other words, what the Holy Spirit is saying is it's saying, he's saying this, as a child of God, you will never have to want for what you need. 
As a child of God, you will never have to want for what you need. That's how good of a God is that we serve. He says, I've, I've given you everything. Everything. But here's the issue. Here's the issue. I put my cup down too early. Let me go back over. Just, I, guys, I like to kid around. I'm fine. So, many of us, here's our problem. We walk around, and whatever God has given us, we're really careful not to spill it. Can you think of that cup that's filled to the brim and imagine a waiter trying to take that cup to somebody? Like, they have to be really careful because they don't want to spill it. And a lot of us, that's, that's where we are. Like we're in a position where, you know what, God, I, I'm really careful and, and you've given this and you filled my cup and, and I'm really nervous about spilling it. For me and my wife, um, both, of our, both of us, our oldest, we had when we were teenagers. And so because of that, we like to call them humble beginnings. We had some humble beginnings. And just here recently in the past few years, we were talking about how God has brought us to a level to where we're so comfortable that, you know, we're just able to do things that we couldn't do in the beginning. But some of us, and I can be guilty of it sometimes, I'll try and protect what we have. God, I don't want you to change anything. I'm okay. I'm just, I'm good. Don't want to spill it because I don't want to lose everything that you've given me. But can I tell you something? There's a secret. God wants your cup to overflow. God wants your cup to absolutely overflow. He actually wants you to take your hands off of your cup so that he can pour into it and make a mess of blessings in your life. Like he wants there to be so much excess that he actually covers the ground with blessings in your life. But a lot of us, we're trying to cover the cup. God says, I just want you to let it go. Like, do you realize that somebody's freedom, somebody's healing, somebody's blessing, somebody's miracle is depending on you allowing God to make a mess in their life? You're like, why would God want to make a mess? He wants to make a mess of blessings in your life so that he can make a mess of blessings in somebody else's life. God says, make a mess. Let's do it. The reconciliation in somebody's marriage is depending on you allowing God to make a mess in your life. Are you going to let God make a mess? Hmm. So the title of today's message is this, a mess worth making. A mess worth making. And so I don't know about you, but I am super excited about this mess. Are there any OCD people in here? Oh, man. Yeah, there's some hands. So you probably don't like to hear the word mess, and you're going to hear it a lot in this message. But I'm excited because heaven is excited about making a mess in your life. And I'm going to make it make sense, I promise. You're like, no, I don't like messes. But before we talk about the mess that God wants to make in your life, first we have to deal with the cup that we're covering up. There's a cup in our life, in some area of our life, that we're covering up and we won't allow God to pour into. And so, to be honest, what that really is, is it's a heart issue between us and God. And so I want to look at that heart issue. Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says this. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And so here we see the prophet Jeremiah saying, it's saying from what the Lord has said, he's like, yo, your heart can trick you. Like your heart is susceptible to the schemes and, and the tricks of the enemy. Like your heart can fall to the temptations of the flesh. Your heart can tell you, yo, protect that cup, cover it, because you don't want to lose everything that God has given you. 
And so because of this, we have to say, you know what, God? Since my heart can be deceitful, I need you to, I need you to examine it. And so let's look at what God says about that. The psalmist says in 139, in verse 23, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So God, look into my heart because there's some reason I'm covering up this cup. There's something that's happening that's making me anxious. There's something inside of me that's making me worry. And God, I need you to reveal that so I can take my hands off so you can pour into my life and allow the blessings to overflow. Because if we're not careful, our own heart could stop us from making a kingdom mess. And so what I want to do in the beginning is look at a couple of positions of the heart that can influence the mess that God wants to make in your life. Position number one, you ready? It's hard to make a mess with a selfish heart. It's hard to make a mess with a selfish heart. In other words, when, when we talk about being selfish, this is what selfish means. Selfish means I'm going to put myself before others. Everybody gets that, right? But in the context of giving, what that means is this, is that what I need is more important than what I can give you. So in other words, when we're talking about time, I don't have time to give you what you need. I'm going to reject you in order to keep my schedule safe. I'm going to reject what you need because I can't afford to give you any time. That's what we're saying. Or if we're talking about resources, I, I can't give you this, this right now. Financially, I can't afford it. Or for me, it's, it's emotionally. Like my emotional tolerance being that I'm an engineer, and I forgot to mention this earlier, like I'm an engineer by trade, like that's my full-time job outside of being a senior pastor. And so unfortunately, a lot of engineers, not all, are wired with this much emotion. Um, and then God blessed me with three girls. And I believe God was challenging me in that area. Um, but in all honesty, like I have to be careful because if, if I'm not careful and I allow that to happen to where my emotional sanity is more important than my girl's needs, then I can reject them in order to protect my sanity and my safety. But that's not what God wants us to do. When we look at it, what we're really saying is what I need is more important than what God has told me to give you. He's called me to be a good father. He's called me to be a good husband. He's called you to be a good employee, whatever it may be. But if we're putting our needs before what God has called us to do, then that means we have a selfish heart. And so I want to demonstrate what a selfish heart looks like. When we have a selfish heart, and now I'm going to translate this cup into this is the big cup so we can make an example. When we have a selfish heart and we're dipping in here with our selfish heart, we're like, ah, I can't afford to lose this time. No, I, I can't give it to them. I, I can't afford to... to to let this bunny go because I have a mortgage. I have people that need me. Oh God, I just can't do it. And so a lot of us are out here walking with a selfish heart. And so when we're walking around with a selfish heart saying, God, I can't give, what we're really saying is, God, my, my selfishness or, or my, my time, my schedule, everything that I have, my sanity is more important than being obedient to you. We're saying, God, it's way more important than being obedient to you. But can I share something with you? You will never have permanent peace without obedience to God. 
You will never, I will say it, never have permanent peace or perfect peace without obedience to God. Here's what Isaiah 26, 3 says. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. And so if I trust God and I truly trust him, then I'm obedient to him. And if I'm obedient to him, that means, you know what? I'll be at peace. But something else happens with a selfish heart. When we have a selfish heart, a selfish heart gives to receive. So in other words, when I dip into what God has given me with a selfish heart, here's what it looks like. I'm going to give to this person that's in need. But as I'm going to give, I'm looking back and trying to see who's giving to me. Because I just lost something and I can't afford to lose it and I need God to give me something else or somebody to give me. And so I can't even look at what I'm doing. I'm looking back there. And I miss the joy and the opportunity to give what God has told me to give. Or sometimes if I'm looking back, I completely miss. And I'm pouring over here and God told me to pour right here. Or maybe in some of those instances, it's in the point to where God's trying to redirect you, but you can't even see God redirecting you because you're worried about what's over here. That's what a selfish heart looks like. Or I'll say it like this. A selfish heart looks like this is you dip in and you get ready to go and to give and you're like, well, what are they giving to me? What are they giving me in return? We give because, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to give until you give me something. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And when we're doing that, we're sitting up there and he's like, I can't give to you until you give to me. But one of the greatest examples, Jesus, he never said that. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he didn't worry about what we were giving. He said, you know what, I'm just going to give up my life for you. And that's what God expects for us to do. The same thing Jesus did. And I tell you what, in all honesty, I'd rather walk back with an empty cup in obedience than to walk back with a full cup in disobedience. God never intended for this cup to come back with anything in it. When he tells you to give, he's expecting you to give. When he tells you to give, that's when we're supposed to be giving. But there's consequences to our selfishness. God has consequences. So let's go to Proverbs 21 and verse 13 and look at these consequences. The verse says, those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. And so if, if I shut my ears to the poor, and that could be financially poor, that could be emotionally poor, whatever they may need, then I will be ignored in my time of need. In other words, when we hold back in fear of losing what we have, we impact our ability to receive what we need. Every time we hold back, the scripture is telling us we're impacting our ability to receive what we need. We won't have it in that time. And so exactly what we're worried about by having a selfish heart is not having when we need it. This scripture is telling us, well, if you don't give it, you won't have it when you need it. And so I know, I, I get it, guys. This is not an exciting message yet. You're like, bro, you stepping on all my toes you know, I took my heels off and I put on my, gym, my Bible aerobic shoes and you're killing me. But just bear with me. Because in all honesty, we have to deal with the internal mess before we can start making kingdom messes. So position one of the heart was, it's hard to make a mess with a selfish heart. Position two of the heart is this. It's hard to make a mess with a grieving heart. Look at it this way. The position of your heart after you give 
is just as important of the position of your heart before you give. See, the position of your heart before you give is, is the selfishness. But the position of your heart after you give, that's the grief. That's the grief. I like to relate it like this. It's like impulse buying. Like when you go make an impulse purchase, like you're good. All the way up to the moment you purchase it, and you're like, I'm great. And the moment you purchase it, you're like, oh boy. Yeah, about that. Like, should I have done that? And you don't return it. You're just like, oh, should I have done that? No, okay, I got to use it. Every time you use it now, you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that, but I want to enjoy it. And that's, that's what it may be. I don't know what it may be if you are an electronic or, you know, I'm a gamer, so a game or who knows. But you have that instant moment of grief. See, when we do that with our giving, this is what happens. God says, go give. I'm like, got you, God. Feel good the whole way there. I'm good, good, good. Oh, my gosh. Am I good? Like, do I still have enough? What do my levels look like? You know, do do I need more? Somebody who nobody's pouring, what do I need? Can I take care of me? And so you can see now that this grieving heart has led us back to a selfish heart. And so now I have this cycle of my heart is grieving when I give, and now I'm selfish when I give. And I'm grieving when I give, and now I'm selfish when I give. And what happens after that cycle goes over and over and over and over, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier with time. And so now when you're making the decision to give, it's almost like one hand is pressing up to even reach in, and the other hand is trying to give. Or once you get it, there's a whole conversation on the way over there. You, you know the conversation I'm talking about. God, I, I need two birds to come down, swoop down right under the right eyelid, and then I need a pig to cross the street, snort two times, and then I need you to just open up heaven, and it just rains right here in this spot for five seconds. Anybody had that conversation? Like, God, I need that kind of confirmation. But sometimes when we have this selfish, grieving heart, that's what it's like. Like, you're doing everything you can on your way to convince yourself that I'm not supposed to be over there giving because we don't want to give in the first place. And the journey gets heavy. But can I give you some good news? The good news is this. God wants to break that cycle. God wants to completely rip that cycle apart. Like he wants you to open your heart, stop covering this cup over here and completely open it so he can pour into your life. He wants to transform your selfish heart into a selfless heart. He wants to transform your grieving heart into a grateful heart. He wants to completely make a kingdom mess in your life of blessings. He wants you to let it go so he can pour in and make it overflow. That's what God wants to do for you in your life. That's what he's trying to do. He wants you to be open. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be obedient to give when he says give. And so if we're making that transformation, let's look at what the grateful heart looks like first. Because in all honesty, the selfless heart is derived from a grateful heart. It's a cycle of stewarding kingdom messes. So I want you to go to John chapter 4 and 28, and I'm going to give you a little context before we read it. So it's one of my favorite stories. It's about the Samaritan woman, and, and Jesus is on his way traveling to Galilee, and he, he stops in Samaria, and there's this woman at the well, and, and Jesus said, hey, you know, I'm tired. Can, can I get a drink? And the Samaritan woman's like, well, you know, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We're not even supposed to be talking, really. This is my version. 
but it's accurate. Let me make sure I know it's accurate. It's biblically accurate. And so she offers him a or she asks, or she tells him, should I say, but you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. And so Jesus was like, well, if you really knew who I was, you would be asking me for a drink because I have some water that is so good, like beyond Bobby Boucher good. Like, I mean, like good that is everlasting and you will never be thirsty again. And that's what Jesus was saying to her. And so the Samaritan woman was like, oh, can I have some of that water? And Jesus was like, where's your husband? Hmm. Samaritan woman was like, I don't have one. And Jesus begins to tell her all of her business. Y'all, it gets, it's juicy. Like, if you want to go back and read it, like, it's better than any soap opera. If you like rom-coms, whatever, like, it's, it's there. And so she's like, man, you must be a prophet. And so she asked Jesus a question about worship, and Jesus answered that question. And she was like, well, the Messiah is going to come to explain all of this to me. And Jesus like, I am him. And so in that moment, I want to go to verse 28 because I want to watch how she responds to this moment when, she, she's revealed to, when Jesus revealed to her the truth of who he is. It says this, it says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So I find it really interesting that this Samaritan woman She's like, you know what? I am so grateful that Jesus came and he revealed himself to me. Now I know that he's the Messiah. This could be him. And he even gave me an introduction to the life that I could have, the everlasting life that's, that's from him. And so what did she do? Out of her gratefulness, she became selfless and said, hey, guys, I need you to come and see a man who told me all of my issues, all of the things that are going on. And I think you need him more than I'm embarrassed by my story. I think you need him more than I'm worried about what you're going to think about me. That's how much he means to me. So that selflessness rose up in her and it gave her a grateful heart. And that grateful heart created selflessness. And again, it's going to become a cycle. But here's how you know if you have a grateful heart. You can make this statement right here. I'm grateful for what I can give more than I'm fearful of what I could lose. When you have a grateful heart, you can truly make that statement. I don't care about what I'm going to lose. I don't care about what you may think about my testimony. I don't care about what you may think about what I look like. I want you to come and see a man who told me all of my business, and I still think you need to come see him. I still think you need an introduction to him. I, I know I messed up. I know my testimony is all jacked up, but I want you to come and see him. That's what God is trying to get us to do. God's like, make a mess. And can I give you a little hint? If you're worried about what you're going to lose... Watch this. You can't lose. Jesus already overcame the world, which makes you an instant victorious child of God. Like you've already won the battle. Come on, let's give God a shout for that. I'm like, let me say it like this. If you showed up to the playoff basketball game and your team was already guaranteed to win, I guarantee you would cheer every part of the battle. Like, that like even when the other team scored, you'd be like, doesn't matter because we won. That's what, that's what Jesus did for us. Like, you can't lose. And so you're subject to an overflow of blessings from God. And so now that we have this grateful heart, we have this selfless heart. And so it shifts our focus from what I need to now what can I give. But let's go back to the selfish part of it just a little bit. 
Well, not yet. I want to do it like this. Can you come up for me? Let's talk about what this looks like a little bit. When my grateful heart shifts to a selfless heart, yes, protect everything. I don't want Preston coming um, and sending me a bill. And yeah, we'll just leave it at that. When I'm walking over here to give with a selfless heart and a grateful heart, I'm not looking back. And here's why. Begin pouring. Because as I'm pouring over here, I already know God's pouring over there. He's taking care of all of my needs. He's handling everything, and I'm just pouring. I don't care. I'm not looking back because the one that has told me to give is actually giving to me. And so that's what's happening when we're giving with a selfless and graceless, uh, grateful heart. It's a mess. It's okay. I've already, I've already talked to Preston about it. He said, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sam. I promise you I'm good. At least I hope so. But I don't have any expectations from here because God told me to give. Like he just said, give and I'm going to give because I know he's taking care of me. Look at this. This is still full, even though I just dipped out of it and gave to this person. That's what God wants to do. And so, but let's talk about the mess we just made on this floor um, because I need to explain it for my sake and for yours. Um, Let's look at Psalms 89 and 11. And this is what it says. It says, the heavens are yours. God and all the earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. So if we look at this selfish heart again, I, how can I be selfish with something that doesn't belong to me? Like it's not possible. I, only reason I can give is because he gave. Like the only reason I have the time, the talent, and the treasures that I have to be able to give somebody is because he gave me the time, the talent, and the treasures. The only reason I can forgive is because I was first forgiven. The only reason I can give love is because he first loved me. The only reason I can give grace is because he was gracious to me. Only reason I can hand out peace is because he, was, he gave peace to me. The only reason I can tell somebody the truth, guess what? He told me the truth. See, here's what the Holy Spirit wants to say with that. When I truly realize I'm giving what belongs to God, I will no longer hold on to what doesn't belong to me. When I truly believe that it belongs to God, I'm not holding on to it. I told the nine o'clock crowd, it's like this. It's easier and it's a lot, it's a lot easier to manage and to let go of. You're like the switchboard operator back in the day that you're just connecting, you know, operator. And this guy's like, all right, go give to that person. Got it. Operator, guy's like, go give them some time. They need a conversation. They're hurting. They need you to talk to them. Got it. Guy's like, hey, that person, they need $1,000. Oh. Got it. You know, you may have paused a little bit on that one. <laughs> I completely understand. And some of you are like, well, we're stewarding that. Ooh, that's a little difficult, God. Like, it's, it's yours. No, I think we choose to make it difficult. I think we choose to put the pressure in it. And here's why. If you think about the man that buried the talent in the ground and he kept it, he was like, Master, I know. I, I know that you are somebody who, who reaps where you haven't sown and I'm, I'm worried. I believe he made it difficult because he was walking in the fear of what God could do instead of walking in the promises and the faithfulness of God for our faithfulness. We have to be able to say, you know what, God, I trust what you're going to do. And so no matter what you're going to do, $1,000, mm, done. $10,000, done. But we're trusting in his faithfulness. And so the reason I'm saying that is because it's a lot easier to give when our heart is in that position. But watch this. If that's the case, that means 
guy was up here pouring, pouring, and he filled this up. And then we made a mess. If God is the source of these blessings, guess what? God is actually the source of that mess. And so what you have to understand from that is if God is the source of the mess, that means the mess that you're taking care of, it's really not yours. It's God's. And what that means is that point number three, it's easier to steward God's mess. So much easier to steward God's mess. I'm just connecting dots. God, this is your mess of blessings that you're, you're just pouring out over the earth. But can I be honest? Some of us are like, oh, I don't like messes. Some of our OCD people are like, oh, messes. Sometimes your blessing is going to look like a mess. You're like, what? Have you ever had that job you were sure of? And God was like, nope, door closed. Bet you it didn't, didn't feel all beautiful like a blessing in that moment. It looked like a mess. Have you had that potential spouse like, this is the one, God, thank you for sending them to me. Awesome, yes. And then God's like, nope. I bet you it didn't feel like a beautiful blessing in the moment. Or when you think about Isaac going up to the mountain with, a with his father Abraham, and they were like, uh, yeah, so I don't see the sacrifice. This really doesn't look like a blessing, God. But in hindsight, all of those worked out. At the end, all of God's blessings are beautiful and they're miraculous. And so I'm not saying all of, all of them will be messed. I just want to make sure you know that some of them could look messy in the moment. But all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so what's really happening with this mess that's here on the ground, it may look like a mess, but it, it really is a masterpiece. Like it's a strategically orchestrated mess of blessings on the ground that God wants to give you. That's what's happening in your life. Like, if he knows the number of hairs on your head, he actually knows all of the H2O molecules that are on this floor right now that represent your blessings. He knows everything that he's poured out for you. He knows everything that he wants to give you, and it's right there. And so not only did he pour into your life to fill up everything that you need, he also poured into your life to have this mess of blessings on the ground. But why did he do that? What's the purpose of that? If we're stewarding that mess that's on the ground really well, guess what? This is what happens. The overflow of God's blessings saturates the ground around you. The overflow of God's blessings saturates the ground around you. Why is that important? Here's why that's important. The first thing is it makes you fertile ground for God to pour into you. Like you're not a rocky path. You're not just a path where the, the seed is sown and it just blows away or the birds pick it up. You're not smothered by the thorns. If you're saturated, you're good ground. That when a seed drops on that ground, hmm, it can take root. Let's look at Proverbs 11 and verse 25 and what it says. It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others, guess what? Will themselves be refreshed. So in other words, because you are fertile ground, Others recognize that you're fertile ground. And so now God is allowing them to pour into your mess, creating even a bigger mess. And so if that's happening, now the ground around you is saturated in God's blessings. And guess what happens when that happens? Like now that the ground is good, if I drop a seed and it gets buried, what happens? Now the seed is in good ground. 
If that seed is in good ground, it begins to grow good roots. If it has good roots, then that means it's going to grow into a good tree. If it's growing into a good tree, that means it's going to produce good fruit. And so if it's producing good fruit, the next time you know somebody else is around you, picking up that fruit, eating from that fruit, and now their ground is saturated. And next thing you know, you have a whole vineyard or orchard full of people with saturated ground of blessings that want to bless everybody else. That's what the kingdom looks like. That's why God made this mess. He's like, I want everybody's ground to be saturated. I want everybody to experience the blessings that I want to give them. But as I come to a close, there's something else that's very important that's, that I love that what happens with a good ground. One of the most important things to me, if we go back to the Samaritan woman's story in John chapter 4, and we go down to verse 39, it says this, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. And so here we have this Samaritan woman. She was there. She said, come and see. But because she wasn't worried about what it would look like, because she wasn't worried about her story, because she wasn't worried about the mess, because she wasn't worried about anything else other than getting them to God and the kingdom mess that they needed to see of blessings for their life, she said, you know what, God, I'm going to be completely selfless for you. See, somebody else's salvation is depending on you allowing God to make a mess in your life. Removing your hand from over this cup and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to try and manage this on my own anymore. Like, I I'm comfortable with you taking this part of me that, that I've been able to, I feel like, manage now. No, I want you to take it, God, because I want you to saturate the ground around me. Somebody else's freedom, somebody else's introduction to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is depending on you allowing God to make a mess and saturate the ground around you in your life. And if I can be honest, that's a mess worth making. If I can make a mess for the kingdom that allows somebody else to meet Jesus, that's what I want to do. I want somebody else to see the blessings that God wants to pour into their life. Because what it's going to do is it's going to open up a door to have a conversation. Well, why is your ground so saturated? Like, I know your story. How are, you, how are you still so blessed? I know what you've done. I know what you've been through. And somehow the God that you serve, in spite of all the mess you've made, is still gracious to saturate the ground around you. Tell me how. And with my Chick-fil-A smile, my pleasure. You don't know how, how long I've been waiting for you to say that. And so we're going to pray in a minute, but I believe today somebody just recognized for the first time, like, wow, God really wants my cup to be full. Like he never intended for my cup to be empty, half full. Actually, he wants it to overflow with blessings. Somebody may be making that decision today for the first time, and I'm so excited for you. Like, I can't express how excited I am. And there may be others who are like, you know what, God? I need you to search my heart. I need you to like reveal anything that's in me that has me covering a cup over here that I think I'm good because all of this is just open, but I got this one cup in the closet in the corner that I'm covering and I'm protecting. God, give me the strength to, to let that go and allow you to pour in that area of life. Or some of you are like, God, I've been making messes and I want to make a ton more messes. I'm excited. Make the mess. Let God just rip up everything and just make a mess all over the place of blessings in your life. 
because there's something that I say at my church and I want to change it a little bit. I say, if, if everybody's serving, then there's nobody left unserved. But if everybody is making a mess, then everyone around us is walking in the saturation of God's blessings. I want everybody in my life walking in the saturation of God's blessings. I want God to overflow in my life because of my obedience, not because of me, because I want somebody to see who he is. I want somebody to know how good he is. I want somebody to walk in the freedom of who he is. I want somebody to walk in the trust and knowing that God is going to take care of them. I want somebody to walk in the knowing that, you know what, no matter what I've done, he still wants me to have this. No matter what decisions I made, he still wants me to walk in his blessings. No matter what I've done in life, he's looking at me and he's saying, just come hang out. Just come get saturated in me. And so I'm going to pray over all of us in the room. And so as I pray, I want you to get that thing in your heart. Find that cup. Or for some, I'll be honest, when, when I was developing this message, it was a couple cups I had, you know, I needed a cup holder. Put all the cups that I may have been covering. I was like, I got it, God. If that's you, it could be one cup, it could be 20 cups. Get it on your heart right now. Because I'm going to pray that God gives you the courage to move your hands from that cup and let him pour the blessings of, of him into your life so that it overflows and it begins to saturate and your testimony begins to change people's lives. God, we thank you right now. We thank you for your love and affection. We thank you, Father, for all you've done in our lives, God. We thank you, Father, that you actually want our cups to overflow, God. And so we're trusting and believing in you, God, that you are doing it right now, God. We trust and believe, God, that when we open up our hearts, Father, and we come completely obedient to you, God, that you are going to overflow our cups, Father, that you're going to saturate the ground around us, God, so that when we do that, God, we are able to actually saturate many of people outside of the realm of these walls, God, but on our jobs, God, the ground will be saturated, God. In our schools, God, the grounds will be saturated, God. In our communities, the grounds will be saturated, God. With your blessings, God, we know we could be in the grocery store, God, and we want the ground to be saturated, God. We could be at our kids' game, God, and if you want to use us, God, we want them to be saturated in your blessings, God. And so we thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to walk with you, God, and to be with you, God, and to trust, God, that no matter how much I give, you're always going to be pouring into my life. No matter how much I give, God, you're going to pour out and make a mess of blessings around me so that we can saturate the earth with your anointing, that we can saturate the earth with your spirit, that we can saturate the earth, God, with your blessings, that there won't be anybody walking in our presence that won't know who you are and how good you are and how gracious you are and how faithful you are and how much you're going to take care of us and protect protect us and that we will never be left begging for bread. And so God, I thank you for being the infinite source, the source that never runs dry, the water that will keep us eternally, God. I thank you for that gift, God. And I pray that you will give us the courage to be exactly what you've called us to be, God. To be salt and light for the earth, God. To help us to be able to pour out. To help us to be able to, to allow people to meet you for the first time. So God, I pray right now, if there's anybody in this building that's afraid, I bind the spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. God, I trust and believe that you are giving them the courage, God, to uncover the cup. Yeah, it may be a journey, but God, I'm believing that they're going to uncover the cup. It may be hard, but I believe they're going to uncover the cup. 
God, right now, somebody is making a decision to uncover the cup, and I thank you for their decision. I thank you, Father, for sending somebody in their life to walk with them right now in the name of Jesus, God, that they don't have to make this walk alone. There are so many people in here. There, there are leaders here at Gateway. God, whatever it may be, whoever you want to put in their life, God, I pray that they will accept it so they can walk along that journey and become the saturation that their community, their family, their marriage may need. And so, God, we thank you right now for what you're going to do. That gateway will become even more of an extension of how good and how great you are. And that they will saturate grounds beyond what our eyes can even see. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.